Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Uliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. Okay, if you have your Bibles, would you open up to John chapter 14? And uh, this is a very famous passage of Scripture, John chapter 14. And, and too often it's read around deathbeds and uh, funerals. And, um, but I just want to put a new perspective on it this morning. Um, John chapter 14 verse 2, this is what Jesus says. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. It's interesting just uh, doing a bit of a word study around that verse. In my Father's house are many mansions. So there's two words that describe dwelling places. One is house, the other is mansions. But they're two different words in the Greek. One is the Greek word oikia, and the other is the Greek word uh, mone. And uh, oikia, some of you that have been in Christian circles for a while have heard the Greek word oikos, which means household. This oikia literally means where my father lives on his estate, where he abides. How many of you know where he abides is heaven? How many of you know where he abides is a pretty big estate? And then Jesus says, on that estate are many other dwelling places. So the old King James calls them mansions. I actually like that word mansions. Because I think everybody deserves a mansion. It's not just a Mac mansion, but a man. How many of you think, no, don't, don't put up your hand. But what I really want to focus in on is what Jesus then says. I go to prepare a place for you. So what Jesus underlines and says, I, I, I'm going to go and make room for you. I'm going to go to my father's house and there make room for you, prepare something for you where we can abide together forever. And this whole concept Jesus introduces of He's making room for us in His Father's house. How awesome is that? So we can live with Him forever and ever. Do you know, on the 13th of December, 1980, my life forever changed because on the 13th of December, 1980, I made room for a young lady called Anne Morgan and I brought her into my life and she became my wife. But in order to do that, I had to let go of a few things. One of the things I had to let go of was selfishness. How many of you have discovered that already? Uh, that if you're going to get married, you just can't stay selfish. 
You've got to make room. You've got to provide. You've got to open it up. You've just got to let go of a lot of selfish things and a lot of selfish ambitions. But can I just say, it was the greatest decision I ever made. And it was worth the effort. And so we had a year and a half of just the two of us togetherness. And it was, so, so now we're used to this, this new world of, we, we've, we've, you know, I let go of my selfishness and she let go of her selfishness. I was going to say some of her selfishness, but that would put me into trouble. So, uh, so big trouble. So she had to let go of, of, of her selfishness. And, but, but you know what, as a couple, you can become quite selfish in your coupleness. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But then what happened on the 15th of June, 1982, 18 months afterwards, our firstborn son came along and we had to make room for our firstborn. And so, and so I can remember being a pastor on $50 a week salary. Uh, I... I I literally had to decorate the room by going to the newsagent and buying some cardboard and drawing out Mr. Men pictures, colouring it in, cutting it out and, and putting blue tack on because that's all we could afford was my artwork on Stephen's, in Stephen's room. But it was, it was fun, wasn't it, darling? And, and, and people gave us things. But the point that I'm making is that we made room. How many of you remember making room for your firstborn? And so it cost us, but it was wonderful. But then on the 15th of November, 1984, baby number two came along and we made room for baby number two. And then on the 29th of February, 29th of February, 1988, baby number three came. How wonderful that baby number three gets to have her ninth birthday this year. So we're celebrating her ninth birthday, 29th of February. She only gets a birthday once every four years. So pretty soon my granddaughter will be older than my daughter. So, uh, so it's going to happen. The day will come when uh, Ella will have more birthdays than Christelle. But the point that I'm making is that we had to make room. And so we became a family of five because we made room. And every time we made room, it cost us. But can I just say that the joy far outweighed the cost. And so we grew our family. They all got married. And all of a sudden, Ann and I were empty nesters. Yahoo! And we used all the money that we put into kids' education to go overseas and have overseas holidays. The day will come when you too can do that because it costs a fortune to make room. And, but so, so we were enjoying being empty nesters. And then we realised, oh, hang on here. Anne's parents and my mum are getting older. We need to make room for them. And so we built an apartment on our home, made room for them. And, and four years ago, Anne's parents came to live with us. And, and now we're this new family with all these people. And just recently, uh, my goodness, you know, you know the story last year where everybody came home and they lived with us for a season, well, except for Dan and his family. But, but the point is this, that it costs 
to make room, but then the joy that comes your way far outweighs the cost. And Jesus went to prepare a place for you because he heard the Father cry out through the corridors of heaven that my house may be full. The joy of a father is not an empty house, but a full house. Can I just say that as a father, my joy is when my table is full of my family all around the table. Do you know what? Sounds of silence are okay for a limited amount of time. But if you're a father, the sound of joy, the sound of laughter, the sound of little kids running around is beautiful. Anne and I went for a walk yesterday afternoon on uh, just the edge of Manly Cove, the Harbour Edge. And we could hear the sound of children screaming in delight as they played in the water. And I turned to Anne and I said, isn't that a beautiful sound? Isn't it the, the sound of children laughing? It's a beautiful sound. And if you want a sound of children laughing and, and being surrounded in your home, you've got to make room. And this is the essence and the DNA of our church. It's making room for others. Let me tell you, Jesus made room for others. I love the fact when I look at who Jesus included in the making room, because sometimes we think, well, well let's, let's just gather our own demographic. Well, when you're the son of God, there's not too many in your demographic. Hello. You know, so how many other sons of gods are there? How many, you know, how many, you know, uh, uh, God in the flesh are there? There's not too many. And there's only one. And, and so then what you see is that Jesus made room for others. Can I just focus on three people that Jesus made room for? First person I want to focus on is Matthew. I mean, first book of the New Testament is Matthew. But I think sometimes we lose in translation who Matthew was before Jesus brought him in. So what Matthew was, was a tax collector. Now, too often, we kind of think of someone that works in the taxation department. You know, oh, well, you know, that's your vocation, that's your vocation. Ah, 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 ah. No, no, you've got it wrong. Because in those days, a tax collector was like a mafia boss. We've got to understand that, that uh, this mafia boss worked for the Romans who gave protection. And so, and so what happened was that Matthew was able to take whatever he wanted from people and then have the Romans protect him from any consequences. And so these people were hated by the Jewish people at a high level because they were seen as traitors. They were seen as thieves. They were seen as mafia bosses protected by the Romans because they actually worked for the Romans to plunder their own people. How many of you know that, that uh, to have a reputation like that is not cool? And then Jesus says to Matthew, come and follow me. And so right behind Jesus is a mafia boss following. And Jesus made room. Then, then there were women that Jesus made room for. I love the fact, see, so often what happens is that we only think of the 12 disciples, 12 males, 
But Jesus actually had women following him as well. And, and, and women that supported the call on his life and, and paid money. Women paid money to support Jesus. How many of you think that's awesome? Well, well who's this? Who, who was some of these ladies? Well, one of the ladies, her name was Mary from the town of Magdala, Mary Magdalene. But the Bible tells us that when Jesus encountered Mary, she had seven demons. Again, you know, we can read seven demons or we can look into, so what does a woman with seven demons look like? I, I, I can't imagine that she was the flashiest lady in town. You know, if someone's got seven demons, they're demon-possessed, ladies and gentlemen. She was probably the mad woman of Magdala. She was probably the most despised and hated woman in Magdala because demons don't make you look good. Demons make you look bad. Demons don't create kindness in your life. Demons create anger and wrath in your life. And so he's the mad woman of Magdala that Jesus embraced, cast the demons out and now he's got, a, he's got a mafia boss following him. He's got a mad woman following him. <laughs> and this is Jesus making room. Hello. One more, one more, just one more. How many of you want one more? Okay, this is found in, in Luke 6.15. His name, one of the disciples who became an apostle, his name is Simon. But the Bible says that Simon was a zealot. And again, you know, we lose context of what does that mean? Here it is. He was a trained assassin. Hello? Simon the Zealot. They were trained to fight the Romans. These people were secret assassins. They were out to kill people. He was trained to kill people. Hello? And Jesus calls him, makes room for him. And Simon the Zealot becomes Simon the Apostle. And so now you've got three people following Jesus. The mafia boss, the mad woman, and the trained assassin. <laughs> he was a friend of, of tax collectors and sinners, but he made room for them. And what you see when Jesus made room for them is that they did not remain mafia bosses. They didn't remain mad women. They didn't remain trained assassins. They got transformed through the influence of Jesus. They became apostles. And, 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 and let me just say that Mary Magdalene was the first full gospel evangelist. You say, what? The, first per the full gospel is Jesus died and rose from the dead. The first person to announce that was not the apostles, but Mary Magdalene. Jesus is alive. A woman who used to be a mad woman, who used to be possessed of demons, is now full of the presence of God and is announcing the full gospel. I love that. Why do I love that? Because Jesus made room for others. And in making room for them, they got transformed. He's still making room for others. One of my favourite verses in the Bible. How many of you have heard me say one of my favourite verses? Because I've got a lot of favourite verses 
He said, well, John, which of your favorite verses are you going to refer to today? Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I love this. Jesus says, I make room for you, but will you make room for me? And there's a challenge that we have, whether we're going to make room for Jesus. Now, I'm preaching to the converted because if you're here today, you're making room. If you're online, you're making room. You've, you, you, you're here today because you've made room. You've put a lot of things aside to make room for him. And, and I'm telling you, there's a blessing involved with that by making room for Jesus, by being here. But too many people hear the knocking at the door that I make room for Jesus. One of the key examples of this is, is the rich young ruler. I, I mean, Jesus was inviting him, come, make room for me. But, but he was unwilling to and walked away sad. But Jesus loved him nevertheless. My question for you is, he makes room for you. Will you make room for him? Now, as a church, as a church, we don't want to be a church that is so introverted with our own people that we lose sight of the fact that we've got to make room for others as well. I was praying over this message just this past week, and, and you know what? God spoke to me saying, what you're doing is prophetic of what I want to do in your church. So can we show the first, first photo? Can you see that photo? Huh? See, that's, that's our new awning. That's our new deck. But when I, when, I, when I went there, you know what the Lord said to me prophetically? He said, if you look at the design of this, it's like an arrowhead. And it's pointing to the community. And I looked at that and I thought, oh, my Lord, it is an arrowhead. And it is pointing right into the community. See where those trees are? That's our waterfront property. So there's a creek that goes past. How many of you know that God's given us waterfront land on the North Shore? I just love that. I love, but beyond the water, beyond, over, over, over the waterways, there's a multitude of people that need Jesus. And I kind of felt that God's saying, you as a church are adding a new dimension, an arrowhead going into the community. I love that. Then the second thing, show the second photo. How many, of you, how many of you can look at this and what does this remind you of when you look at that? The bow of a ship. Surely, I, I'm sure that a lot of you, once it's all finished, will go on there, put your hands in the air and say, I'm the king of the world. <laughs> but it's designed to look like the bow. What, what's interesting is that when we first designed it, we didn't design it with these railings. But because of the height of it, we've had to put the railings. But the railings with the timber look like the bow of a ship. And, and I felt the Lord saying prophetically, steer our ship towards the lost and bring them on board. Come on, steer the ship towards the lost and bring them on board. We've got direction. We know where we're going. There's room for some more. And so what's, what's our calling? Number one, to be a rescue ship. <laughs> Going into the community to be a rescue ship. Sent out to seek and to save lost people. To be a rescue ship. I just love the fact that 
On Thursdays, I walk slowly through the crowds and I see a lot of people that need rescuing. We're called to be a hospital ship. A hospital ship bringing healing and restoration to the hurting and broken. Can you put it up? Hospital ship. The next point. And, and on Thursday, what happened was that one, one of our, our clients had a stroke. And he's there on the ground. And, uh, and our people gathered around him. And I'm preparing this message. And here's our people trying to rescue, trying to bring hope. And, and there's Matt, our general manager, there making sure that he's breathing. Judy, uh, trained nurse, just making sure that he's okay. And then, then we contact the paramedics. Two ambulances turn up and we rescued somebody. We reached out in love, took him to hospital and, and, and hopefully he's doing better now. So we're called to be a rescue ship, a hospital ship, a mercy ship. Can, can you see this, this ship going across the horizon into the nations of the world, bringing comfort and mercy? What we're doing with missions is, is prophetic. You know, this ship moving out into the nations of the world, planting churches, feeding children, rescuing little kids from sexual slavery. There's a rescue ship going out, a mercy ship, a hospital ship, but also a battleship. Helping people defeat the powers of death and darkness. Come on, we have an enemy of our souls. And we're called to do battle against forces of darkness and do spiritual warfare to rescue people in battle. Other demon-possessed people like Mary Magdalene and set them free so they can live with a hope in the future. And then my last point, and this is a, a little bit weird because we've got Rescue ship, hospital ship, mercy ship, battleship. And I had to put in fellowship. (laughs) Because that's what we are. We're a community doing life together. We're a fellowship. We're, we're, We're people who've met Jesus, that have made room for Him. And we're helping each other as well as we can. We're looking out for each other on the journey of life. We we don't want you to do life alone. You're part of us. You're part of our community. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation gathered together in fellowship to do something amazing for Jesus. But is there room for more? I think so. I think there's plenty of room for more. I know that, that Matthew and I are talking and I love that, that, uh, that Matthew's calling this new warning our community hub because we're thinking of doing morning tea between services for our community just to, uh, just to put it out there so that they can come and, and connect with us and we with them and unsaved people just coming to church on a Sunday to do morning tea with us in our new community hub. And then if they want to stay for the 11 o'clock service, fine. If they want to go home, fine. But there's no pressure. Just fellowship. Can we do that? I know that at Christmas time this year, seriously, one of the things on my heart is to do a Christmas lunch for people that don't have a family to do Christmas lunch with and on our new new community hub to do Christmas lunch. And, And I'll be there serving. 
I know Anne will be there serving. And I'm sure there's a whole, how many of you think, yeah, I want to get involved in that. I know Sharon Katina will be. We've got a whole bunch of people that will say, you know, I'll serve our community because we're making room for others. Let me finish this morning by saying this. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. How many of you know how to quote that scripture? Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. But the context, the context of that is the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19. And so he's this tax collector, this despised person, a mafia boss, if you will. And everybody's criticizing Jesus because he made room for a mafia boss. And Jesus' response is, I make room for people like that because I've come to seek and to save the lost. To seek them and to save them. Not to leave them the way they are, but to take them to a better place. Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Ann Giuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.